0: It's kind of funny that um, we have all the birthdays that are coming up, and they are coming up in the uh, month of uh, March. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, preach over um, in the uh, little town of Grayson, Kentucky, and uh, as I went out there, I, we found this little tiny church building. It was out in the middle next to a creek, had an outhouse for a uh, a bathroom and had a little pump well and I thought, man, alive, this really goes back. And every member of that church, their last name was Bush. And believe it or not, the first name, the first man, he was actually George Bush. And so I, I said, are you Mr. President? And he goes, not hardly. I don't want to be anything to do with this mess. But I always thought that that was comical when a, a congregation is made up of families the way how we know they can be, it's pretty amazing to me. And uh, by the way, on the prayer sheet, if you'll also notice, is that uh, we have added uh, Brother Doug Newell, Uh, He has now accepted the pastor to Johnstown, and so we want to pray for uh, Johnstown and their new pastor, Brother Doug. As far as I know, uh, this was his first Sunday to also uh, preach for them. We took Brother Chuck West off the uh, prayer sheet, but we replaced him with another preacher who needs our prayers as well in health. So please be faithful to take a look at every one of those prayer items and to keep them This week in your prayers. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 14. The title I have is called God's Decree. God's Decree. I want us to look in 1st uh, Kings chapter 14 and then we're going to go over to 1st Chronicles or 1st Corinthians chapter 5. So we'll start at 1st Kings chapter 14. And I want to ask as we get ready to read, and I want you all to think about this question just for a moment. How many of us are really glad to be in the house of the Lord? I mean, Yes, we don't have the greatest number of people, and uh, you know sometimes we feel discouraged when we don't have more people with us, but are you here because you're wanting to serve God, or are you here because you hope that others will uh, help you serve God? Uh, you know, m- make no bones about it. It's a lot easier to preach when you know that there's a lot of people that are listening uh, and that are an attentive uh, spirit as there are, uh, you'll preach to one or two when they are not of the same nature. But whether there be two or three, or whether there be a whole gamut, we want to make sure that we preach the gospel in its entirety. We'll give you a little bit of a detour on how everything occurred. As I was studying this week, and of course a lot of the things happens as you read your Bible through, you're, you're inspired to uh, write down more stories, or you write down uh, more things that are there. Just to kind of give you a little bit of a catalyst, Solomon has already loved many women. And so because Solomon has loved many women, God appears to Solomon again, the last one that he does so, and he goes before Solomon, he goes, I want you to understand, because of what you have done, I'm going to rip apart Israel. There are going to be 10 tribes to the north are going to uh, be taken away from you, and you're going to be by yourself. And that, Benjamin, mainly because Judah also surrounded Benjamin. And the reality is is that uh, he gave it over to his neighbor, which was called Jeroboam. And Jeroboam immediately did evil in the sight of the Lord. Because what he did is he set up two golden calves to say, these are your gods, old Israel. So literally, because Jeroboam had come out of Egypt, he had embraced the religion of the Egyptians, and he introduced that same religion to the Israelites once again, and they followed hard after it. Well, notice what it says in chapter 14, beginning at verse 1 of 1 Kings. And at that at that time, Abiah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, that thou be not known to, the, as, uh, to be the wife of Jeroboam. And get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahiah the prophet, and hath told me that I should be king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and ten schnackles and a cruse coo- of honey, and go to him, and shall tell thee what thou shalt become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahiah. But Ahiah could not see, for his eyes were yet, by reason of his age, were dim. By the, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. And the Lord said unto Ahiah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee, for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, For it shall be, when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so, when Ahiah heard the sound of her feet, as she came to the door, then he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam, why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Go tell Jeroboam. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel: Forasmuch as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee pr- prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it uh, gave it thee, and yet thou hast not been as to my servant David, who came my commandments, who followed me with all of his heart, to that to do that which only was right in my eyes, but hast done evil above all that were before thee, for thou hast done and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger, and hast cast me behind thy back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam, and I will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall, and him that shutteth up and left in Israel, and take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam, as a man taketh away dung till it be gone. And he that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat, for the Lord hath spoken it. Arise, thou therefore, get thee to thine own house, and when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die, and all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he only, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the graves, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel of the house of Jeroboam. Now turn with me to First Corinthians chapter five. Most of us know this passage because, once again, we are told of the great responsibility that is given to the church and to keep things in order. Let's read the first eight verses, shall we? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not so much as naked Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourn, and he that hath done this deed might take be taken away from among you. For verily, as in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning the that have done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, of Lord Jesus Christ, whom we gather together. think this is dying on me here, brother. Um, When you are gathered together, and my spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sanctified for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us go the Lord in prayer. Now, Father, we pray that you will guide us and lead us, and that you will help us in this day to be faithful unto you in all things. And may we, Lord, take these things that you have laid upon our heart, and may we preach them with victory. Help us, dear Father, to know the truth, the truth that only you can give, and guide and bless and direct. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all things, and may we rejoice in thy name. Help us, dear Father, to worship you, to praise your name, and to guide and watch over in all things that you give us. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. I'll bring this up a little bit here. So those of you that are in La La Land, please give us just a second as we try to get this corrected. I know it doesn't like the word, does it? Alright, is this better? Hopefully it won't pop in and out. Now, I know that it doesn't sound like that these two passages are tied together, and maybe it's only in my mind that they are tied together, but the reality is is that as I got to thinking about this, the first question that came in, when we come together as a church, what is it that we are asking of God to do for us? Uh, There's a lot of things that I had to look at in regards to uh, standing for the things of God, and I'm talking about myself. Uh, what are the things that have allowed in my life to uh, keep me from serving God as I should? The most powerful things in my life that I know is given of God, and instead I have taken and turned aside those things which has been given of God, and I follow after the sinful things of this world. Now, I don't mean to, or I, I would like to think that I don't, but the reality is is that I want to be honest I want to be sincere. I want to do those things that are right. Now, give me an example. How many of us have ever told a white lie, or what we could think of as just a simple lie? And you, we, we are maybe we're painted into a corner, and someone says, "Well, didn't you say?" And suddenly they will throw you into the mix of things because you, uh, you know, they think they've got you. And then we kind of find ourselves him hauling around instead of admitting whether we said it or not and the reality of how hard it is. And I wrote these things down and I want to be careful about how that I find this over and again. Number one, are we afraid? Is fear the primary reason that we uh, don't seek this? And in fact, may I point this out to you that in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 1, Jeroboam is afraid when we think about Jeroboam and the fear that he had, he was afraid because of one child was going to pass from this life. Maybe he even saw some goodness in this child. God said he was going to take this child away from Jeroboam for that very reason, that he saw some good in him. But there was a fear of Jeroboam. Why haven't I served God the way that I should? Number two, maybe we feel the pressure of society. Now, understand this. Being a Christian in the day and age which we live in is far from an easy thing. Everybody and their grandmother wants to see whatever they can do to try to trip us up in the the course of this life. Uh, maybe we, we say things, we mean a little bit just, maybe a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of jesting. All these things can come about, but it will cause a tripping that will occur into this world. And the other thing is, what about personal? And I wrote down the word personal, for there is a reason our God requires of us not to be a part of this world, but to be separated from this world. Now, I'm gonna show you where I'm coming from on this. How many of us have ever said, in in our hearts, or maybe out loud, that we have no part of the law? And yet, over and again, because we say we're not a part of the law, then we find ourselves you know, adding the law to our lives, one way or another. In fact, may I point this out to you, the Lord says to us that when we... Uh, when we read in, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, to whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. How does he chasten us? The very thing that I just mentioned of us, that we have a fear, maybe that's the same way that he also chastens us. Have you ever thought about this? When we are afraid of the truth, and we know that the truth should set us free, maybe we're afraid of it, and God uses that to chasten us. Maybe we say that the society's pressure to get away from the things of God, and we allow ourselves to dabble in it, or even the peer pressure of this world. Let me ask you, how many of you think that all of your sins are exposed for us all to know? And how many of you are afraid that our sins will get exposed? I am afraid, uh, many times I'm thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not Solomon. I am so glad I'm not Jeroboam. Man, I'm so glad I'm not David. I'm so glad because there are sins that are written before us to read and they bother us. But how many of us also realize that we can also have the personal reasons not to proclaim the Word of God afraid that those sins that we have hidden are going to be there? Think about this for a moment. Moses looked this way and that way because he saw that uh, an Egyptian's uh, power, if you will, a captain had already taken out all of his wrath on an Israeli slave, if you will. And so what did Moses do? He killed this individual and no doubt buried him in the sand thinking that he would be appreciated for everything that he had just did for the Israelite. But what, did, what was it that came back on him? Are you going to do someone else because you think it's the right thing to do? Even in the personal struggles of life, we can fare many times the things that goes on. And I've also discovered this, that the closer I am to God, and this is the area that I want all the church to understand, if we have dedicated ourselves to be so close to God, the closer we are to God, the more the demand is going to be upon us. Now think about this for a moment. Though the temple was built by sinful hands, the glory of God entered into it such that no man could go into it. When Solomon reared the temple in Jerusalem, there was, and even though it was reared by sinful hands, the holiness of God was such a way that no one could enter into it. When Ananias and Sapphira immediately answered God by a lie. The Holy Spirit took it personal and took their lies from them. And yet, how many times have we ever come before God with a lie? Now think about that for a moment. The closer I am to God, the more that I realize that I am not the same person that I desire to be, even for him. I read this in about the kings, and, and the reality is, if you ever read 1 Kings, it starts off pretty good. You see Solomon, you see all of his glory, you see how that he was elevated to be the king over all of Israel and he was not only the king of Judah, he was the king of Israel, and he did great things for God. But what was his downfall? The downfall of Solomon that occurred was that he loved many strange women. Now, his first wife was, believe it or not, the daughter of Pharaoh. We might say that it was an allegiance marriage, but the reality is is that after a while, as he got older, you know, I don't know what they called him. Maybe they called him Solly. Oh, Solly, you sweet thing, you... I mean, can you imagine as these women came upon him and said, I'd like to have a temple for my God. Well, why don't you come and worship with me? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? In other words, there had to be a collapse of behavior and there had to be a desire to said, I don't want this in my life, but I'm going to allow these things to come in. Now, let me just tell you this. I am not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. And sometimes I even have to be reminded about the holiness and the righteousness that that occurs not only in this church, but I should allow in my life. Now please understand that. And I have not had any disrespect in this church whatsoever. Everything has been holy, it's been right, it's been good. But the sad part is, I still don't feel the strong worthiness to the high calling that God has given me. Yes, I'm not a novice. Yes, I am not, you know, I, I don't have uh, all these other little issues that we might see and I don't give myself over to drinking wine, and, and I don't do anything that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3. All of those things I have tried to keep in order. But may I put this out to you that even though God allows me to see certain wisdom and certain things in my life, I know how much I fail at what I do. I'm not the man of God that I should be. You know, and I many times when I work, uh, you know, in the secular world, there's many people that will come to me and they'll say, are you a manager? Are you a leader? Well, believe it or not, I I don't want that management position. It's kind of nice to be able to work like like a regular peon for once and not have to worry about everybody else and their grandmother. But if it's by example, Then I am a leader. By example, when somebody has a burden and I pray with them, I am a leader. When there is an example of someone who doesn't want to pray with me, I am still going to be a leader. By God's grace, I'm going to allow these things to occur. And I praise His name for every opportunity that I have to give and to live my life completely for Him. But let me ask you, Is there a sin that we're hiding from everybody else's view that prevents them from seeing Christ as they should? Now, I might hide a sin. I might knowingly know a sin in my heart. And as I see those sins around about me, I immediately begin to think, Lord, what can I do to make things better? Jeroboam, do not seek God, and here's the reason why Jeroboam didn't seek God. He was afraid of God's answer. We do not have priests. We do not have prophets. We have the Word of God, and it's complete. And so we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that which is partial, and when that is perfect has come. We believe that that's in reference to the Word of God. But now we have the Word of God. But do you realize that there are many Christians that we commit sin and we're afraid to come before the throne of God to confess our sins? But you know what? God already knows it. He already sees it. And maybe, maybe we can justify, maybe we can justify our actions and our deeds and we see all these things in our lives. But here's the thing. Now I want you to consider this. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. And I want you to see one particular verse. Now, this is in regards to uh, discipline. We understand that and how that discipline is supposed to be handled. But how many of us have ever really thought about verse 18? All right, now turn with me to 18.18 of the book of Matthew. Notice what it says. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth. Who is this spoken to? The apostles? No, not hardly. If you want, go back up just a little bit to verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. Many times we don't think of ourselves as being powerful, but every decision we have in this congregation, in this church... Is going to be a, it's going to be supported by God as long as it's holy and righteous. Now, if we wanted to be, open up a casino, guess what? God's not going to be for it. If we want to start showing all kinds of movies, God's not for that. The reality is is that as long as the church is doing things holy and in order, what we seal upon this earth, according to verse 18. Look what it says. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I had someone ask me one time, and this was many years ago. I was on deputation and getting ready to start uh, the mission work up in Jackson, Ohio. And I had someone ask, is Sunday school permissible? Is there any scripture that supports Sunday school? I know exactly where this man came from and I didn't have an answer. I was still struggling over certain things as well. But I've learned one thing. Whatever a church decides, if it's not against God, it's for God. There's nothing wrong with Sunday school. There's nothing wrong with a bus, you know, a bus ministry. If it's if it's going to be used in the right way for God, there's nothing wrong with it. And I tell people what a church decides is going to be bound into the heart of the church. Look what else it says. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, the reality is, is that I know that in myself there are things that I know is wrong and there's things that I can always come to the Lord with. But the sad part is, we, many times we will approach the things of God in a calloused way. Now, why did I I select 1 Corinthians chapter 5? I don't have anything in mind. Please understand that. But understand that there is something that is called self-discipline. How many of us know about self-discipline? Many of us, when we think about self-discipline, it means I am a disciple. How many of us knew that? Self-discipline means I am a disciple. Now, when I say that I am a disciple, I could be a disciple for wrong or I can be a disciple for right. Well Paul had made the determination to be a disciple for right, mainly because he was called of God and he knew the call. I know within myself that I am called to be unto him what he would have for me to be. Yes, he called me to preach. Yes, he has called me to be a minister. Yes, I want to do what's right. Yes, I, I have tried to follow in every example, and I still do wrong. However, may I point this out to you, that which I know to do is right, I should focus on that and do it. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When Jesus said to the, the church, the early church, go into the world and teach them all things that I have commanded you. There is a responsibility. Let me let me just share this with you. How many of you all know that we have come into this place today for praise and worship? Sometimes, brother Randy, when when you hit the right song, I mean, it just adds to the, my ministry, to the message that's getting ready to be declared. Sometimes, it just seems like this is the same place that we want to be every Sunday, and the joy come out of this service. The joy can come out of this house. Man, it is so exciting to be in the house of the Lord. But shouldn't that be every Sunday that we're together? I went in and I looked up the word, what it means to, to have service unto the Lord and to worship Him. How many of us understand that to worship the Lord means that we are to recognize Him who is full of majesty? Now, I'm just going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. We have more respect over earthly kings and earthly presidents and earthly people of leadership than we have over God. When I come into these doors, I come in here not to impress people, but I want to be an example to God. That's worship. Praise is what comes out of my mouth in worship. Worship. So when I sing the words of praise, Praise the Lord. words that are coming out of our mouths, we're lifting up to God. Listen to some of the modern music that is out there. It's all about me. It's not about God. Read the psalmist sometimes, who is this king of glory. That is a marvelous question and the king of glory is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is triumphant. He is magnificent. Understand this, is that if we sing only the modern vernacular in the praise of God in the battlefield, we're going to lose. But when we looked up the voice of God and we said, He is... Now think about that for a moment. The difference between worship is the mindset that we have when we come into this place. It's a pretty good place. I'm going to share something with you. Many years ago, I was a young, full of spent energy kind of Baptist minister preparing for the work. And I was in the Air Force, and I remember that I had to, you know, visit in England the different churches, and already the churches were sovereign grace, you know, they were teaching the truth, they held on to many of the doctrines that we hold to, and yet there was something lacking. In every church I went into, one of them handed me an RSV, and I remember that. They said, uh, uh, with this RSV, we'd love to have you come in and uh, preach, but you're not going to understand anything that the preacher's going to say if you don't have this. I said, if he's not preaching out of the King James, he's not preaching out of anything. It kind of marked me. I don't know why. Other churches have been without a pastor for years, and they were—they had scheduled, scheduled, scheduled other preachers to come in. Years down the road. <laughs> I said, are you really looking for a pastor? I got more trouble. I finally pulled up one day, and and matter of fact, my family and I were getting ready to go to a little town of Margleston Heath. And uh, there was a preacher friend of ours, and, and then I remembered as I was just putting my tie on that they only had an afternoon service to accommodate for all the farmers and everything that were in the area. My family was breaking down, and I could see that you know it was taking a toll on them because I was looking for a good place. And I remember that as I came back from the air base, there was a little sign that sat on the side of the road that said, Cascade Baptist Church. I said, well, let's just go check out that church. Let's just go see what it's like. I had no intention of ever being a part of it or going to that church or anything else. I said, let's just go see what it's like. And we pulled up in front of it, and it was a big glass church building. I went, well, right there, it's got to be glass, you mean everything is just going to be modern cathedral, probably not going to be very good. And you know, as I entered in, there was about 140 people in that service. Man, how many of us would like to have 140 people? But every one of them, as they came in, I was ready to talk about soccer and everything else. Oh no, not these English people. They sit down in their pews and they bowed their heads and they began to pray. Almost immediately, they were praying for God's glory and His grace to bless the services. I joined them. And I said, Lord, if this is truly where you want us to be, then let the preaching have power. Let the message come from the King James Bible and let the music be powerful. I, I think that that pretty much hits it. Well, the next thing you know, they come in, and, and here comes the pastor, and he's wearing a robe. <laughs> I went, Oh, well, you know, all that's got to be thrown out, out from the window. And come to find out years later that the English pastors wear a robe because that's traditional, it's traditional. And he gets up there and Brother Busby announces the number and I, and I went, well, that, that seems kind of strange. Nothing's happened. And the first note of the... And it was powerful music like i never heard before or since. was just thinking about it. And the next song was the same way. And the next song was the same way. Finally, one brother got up to make the announcements. And he stood down in front. He goes, All right, Lord, so far, so good. And then the pastor stood up to preach. He took the old King James. He said, Turn with me, Will. I don't remember the passage, but I remember the power of the message. And I was taken. And as I left that day and I reached my hand out, and I said, uh, thank you, Pastor, I really enjoyed it. He goes, oh, an American. It was so good to have you with us. An American. He said, I just got back myself from, from Arizona. I have family that is there. I went, how long ago was that? It happened to be at the same time I started looking for church. Coinciding, proper timing, everything was right. When you come to church, what are you looking for? That's where this question comes down. What are you looking for? Are you here only because you're trying to appease others? Well, there, that comes to a time. I'm going to tell you this. Many years ago, I was so afraid of myself. Was I going to serve God because I was just trying to appease my dad and my mom? And when they were taken from my life, I sat down with my Lord and my God and I said, I'm not worthy. I didn't call you to make you because you were worthy. I called you because I will make you worthy. That's what worship's all about. And reality is, is that the more I begin to see some of these accountabilities, the more I begin to see that God is ever controlling every element of life. So let's put it to a test. I'm going to show you my test for you all. Take, let's take our Bibles, and let's go to the book of Malachi. Now, this one is going to be easy because we already do it. <laughs> But I know a lot of churches that they fail in simple things of stewardship. But may I point this out to you? I want us to go down to verse six of Malachi chapter three, and I want us to read this together, and then I'm going to give you my test as well. For I am the for I am of the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Malachi chapter three verse seven. Even from the days of your father you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? That's a pretty good question, right? After all, are they continuing with their sacrifices? Are they doing what is required of them? Notice what the Lord said in verse 8. Will a man rob God? You know, One day I was talking to Greg, and I said, you know, I have been blessed more than I deserve to be blessed. And I have discovered that no matter how much that I try to outrace God, I can't do it. So in tithes and offerings, I don't see a problem in this church, but I'm just bringing this as an example. You say, where have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, and you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So let me ask you this question. If you know to do right and do it not, is it not sin? I'm going to show you my own perplexity, and one that I'm saying, Lord, help me to overcome it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Maybe this is one of the reasons that I preach on it so often. In Matthew chapter 28, I... I am faltering and I'm stumbling over a two-letter word. Look what it says in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all-powerful? Now, is he able to protect me? Is he able to watch over me? Is he able to keep me to say the right words? Is he able to open the doors in front of me? All these answers are yes. Then notice what he says immediately in verse 19. Go ye therefore. That is my own principle. Go. And I'm asking the church to support me in this, and I know you will. And you know, come. The Lord's willing, once the weather breaks, I want to go out and I want to tell others about Jesus Christ. Beginning in our community. I don't need to get fancy. I don't need to have a four-piece band. I mean we got plenty of music right up here the way we're doing it. But the world needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And I don't care if everybody that I come in contact with, well I go to search over so-and-so place, really, I didn't ask you where you go to church. I ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The message has been lost in the world because the message is by the world already go to church where Christ says, I don't care if you're going to the church or not. Do you know me? How many of us realize the first element is salvation? Go ye therefore into all the world. Notice what it says. Go, go and teach all nations, baptizing them. Do you know that there is a promise to salvation? Because we don't baptize people who just come up and say that they want to be a part of this church I've got to share this with you the other day someone came up to me at, at Chick-fil-A and I think I shared this already and they go who are you <laughs> that's pretty bad isn't it who, who are you seen, we can't put your face to this world I went well that's good I said have you been to a post office lately I said I'm probably wanted in many states they go no you." You're working here. Who are you? And I said, well, I pastor. And as soon as I said pastor, they said, you pastor someone in West Virginia, don't you? Well, we go over to Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And guess what? This past week when I went there, you know, and they had the fellowship, and I went in, they were there. Are- I'm the chicken preacher now but I want you to think about this for a moment they left where they were going because all they ever heard was the doctrines of grace they were going to a reformed baptist church they said something was missing do you realize we have a responsibility to teach the full counsel of God look what else it says come on baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know what the first thing is? Obedience. Come on. Is that not true? The first thing we should be teaching is obedience. Obedience. And that is the thing that we all need to understand. Lord, make me more obedient. Now, if you pray that, get ready for some real eye-opening situations. But if I want to be what God would have for me to be, follow him with everything that is in me. That's why I'm asking you, and I want you to see this. This is my last verse. I want us to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well, Brother Prater, you just said... No, no, I want you to follow with me, okay? Romans chapter 8, and we know verse 28, don't we? We know it very, very well indeed. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Anybody have any problems with that? I don't. Look at verse 29. For whom He did for whom he did foreknow, He did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son. We have been conformed. We have been changed. We have been made to look like his son. Amen, amen, amen. That we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Do you realize that you're the older brother and sister of a multitude that's waiting on you? (laughs) I like this. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called... And then he and and whom he called, then he justified. Justified means that we are in his righteousness. And then he also glorified. Look at verse thirty-one. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Underline that verse. If he is for us, I love verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how uh, us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So here's my test of faith. Lord, I want to see this body grow, not by the conniving ways of this world. I had someone ask me the other day, "Do you all have a do you all have a concert or do you all invite groups in?" Well, if we did invite somebody in, who would we invite? Come on, let's be honest. Who would we invite, and for what purpose? My voice is getting more raspy as the days go on, but with my dying breath, I should say, "Lord, may." I succeed in you, in you, who's on my side and who's on the Lord's side. Interesting. Let's pray. Father, now, I thank you for the many blessings that you give us, and I pray that the message that has been delivered might be for your honor and glory. We come to worship you, Lord, because we are a church people that we believe in worship and praise. But Lord, let us also look to you, our majesty, our King, our Lord, for all good things which only can come from you. Help us then to be faithful and guide and watch over us in all things. In Christ our Savior we pray, amen. Brother Randy, if you'll come forward, you and Sister Brenda will be dismissed in a final sentence.